My daddy's gone on, my grandpa's gone on, my great-grandpa's gone on. But you still live. You know, the, the spirit is still here. Well, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Tell me of a home far away. Hello and welcome everybody to our next episode of It Still Lives, the Foxfire podcast. We're your hosts, Cami Ahrens. And I'm TJ Smith. And we hope you enjoyed our little special series in February. And this month, we're going to be celebrating Women's History Month with a special episode on midwifery in Appalachia. So midwives have basically been around as long as there have been babies. Um, <laughs> you can read references to midwives in the Bible and Greek and Roman texts. But, you know, women have always needed another person to help them deliver their child, which I think makes us pretty unique among mammals, among many other things. But certainly the sense of community and, and support during this time. And also having, you know, someone in the room with you who may have a, a, a point of reference for, the, for what's happening with you. Yes. <laughs> so as we probably most of us know, historically, many women, you know, died during childbirth or shortly after childbirth or um, women commonly lost babies during childbirth. So it used to be, you know, this really stressful and sometimes tragic event in people's lives. And luckily today with modern medicine, uh, I would say the number of fatalities during childbirth has gone down dramatically, thankfully. But unfortunately, women who helped deliver babies were often culpable for uh, tragic incidences during birth. So a lot of the accusations of witches historically were against midwives, who also happened to typically be, you know, like herbal healers, people who relied on folk remedies. And so there was always some aura of mysticism around these women because they were, you know, associated with healing, which also can have a lot of things that go wrong with it. Women in all areas, but especially rural areas, relied heavily on midwives for childbirth because doctors were pretty much non-existent for a long time, especially in rural communities, you know, and they, once they did start coming into these areas like Southern Appalachia, there were very few and far between, high in demand and very expensive. And I'd also like to point out that the doctors were male, and it seems that most women preferred to have a midwife, partially maybe because she was a neighbor lady or well-known in the community, but probably also because she was female. And, and too, you know, we, I think we've, we've touched on the whole issue of, of um, accessibility to healthcare in rural areas. And Absolutely. Certainly at the, at, you know, the time where a lot of the uh, midwives interviewed by Foxfire were practicing, um, you know, you would have a doctor or two doctors serving a community, but a community in, in the in the context of like a county like Rabin, you've got you know the, the county seat, which is a town, and people are living fairly close together. But the majority of people are living out, you know, in in the larger county, uh, and are separated by miles and miles of you know potentially and, and probably dirt roads or hard to navigate roads. Uh, they're very spread out. They're not, you know, five minutes away from, from healthcare or 10 minutes away. They're an hour or more because transportation at that time, you know, people aren't jetting around in their 
in their SUVs and whatnot. They're, yeah. You know, a lot of times they're relying on horses and, and slower modes of transportation. So having somebody in the more immediate community, a neighbor uh, or, uh, you know, someone a couple, you know, a couple houses down or uh, just across the across the, the valley there or whatnot, um, it was was important uh, and crucial to having a successful birth. And to the, you know, in my conversations with people who are midwives, it's a much more holistic approach to childbirth that's rooted really in an understanding of the processes of what's happening within a woman's body when she's giving birth and understanding that it's not this surgical procedure, yeah, but it's a much more organic, holistic process that happens. And I think, you know, in modern, with modern medicine, everything is so sterilized and um, technical and uh, there's, you know, a rigid. Well, it's also on a schedule. Right. You know, and that's yeah. something that came up in the interviews is that midwives, like, don't rush babies. They're yeah. on the baby schedule. They're not on their schedule. Whereas, yeah. you know, with cesarean sections. And, and induction. You know, and it's just. All these things that like, okay, we're, you're having your baby on yeah. this date at this time. We will begin this process here. And, yeah, it's a very cold um Colder process, whereas with the midwives, yeah, they're yeah. they're following sort of a natural system and nature's process, and yeah. not trying to push or rush or or impart their own agenda. <laughs> well, and I also think that there is an emphasis, a greater emphasis on connection and mm-hmm. care, because midwives aren't rushing off to the next patient; they're there for the mama. And you know, in in these interviews, I think it I think it comes out, but certainly. We have so many interviews, it was really hard to kind of narrow these down. But, you know, they all of the women emphasize, you know, wanting a midwife, wanting that connection. And historically in Appalachia, the women who were acting as midwives, again, really didn't accept payments. They were there to support the woman, to support their community. Um, You know, and we have a great quote from... (laughs) Mrs. Andy Webb, who just says, I'd rather have a midwife anytime as a doctor. They know their business and a doctor don't care. She said, I ain't no hand for a doctor. And um, she was actually a midwife herself and delivered delivered several babies around well, her. And that speaks to that intimacy. Mm-hmm. It is a very intimate moment. It should be. Um, and there should be a, a good relationship between the mother and the individual helping the mother to deliver. And we don't have that level of intimacy in modern medicine often. There's certainly exceptions to that. But for the most part, you know, it's it's a it's a an industrial medical complex, uh, whereas this was something more holistic and rooted in relationships. And, you know, um, when you were preparing the the um, the audio for this podcast, Amy Ledford, who will be, I think, the last Mm -hmm. midwife we hear from. And she's a she's a modern Midwife. Uh, that was the first Foxfire interview that I went on with the students uh, when I started. And she really, you know, from a very genuine place, speaks to that intimacy in her relationship yeah. with the mother and the baby. And she recognizes the weight and the importance of that relationship. She values it and it's sacred to her. And that was, you know, a really uh, wonderful thing to hear from someone who is, you know, 
facilitating this very intimate miracle that happens when when a mother gives birth to their child. Um, so it was, you know, and it's good to see, too, that continuity in the way that these women talk about being a midwife. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's nice to see that that's been preserved, even as midwifery has become more, more of a formal, yeah. yeah, modern medical field. Um, you know, and that shift really happened around like the 1920s to 1940s. And I think that's probably part of a larger shift in modern medicine. Right. But, you know, in the 1920s, the only place to receive formal training as a midwife was actually in Great Britain. And so a lot of American midwives were going over there to get training. Um, and then once the war started, that kind of put an end to that. And so a lot of women in the United States started advocating for formal training to be available to midwives in America. Um, and actually in Raven County, the 1940s, the early 1940s is when our maternity home was established. Um, and that was done by a couple of local midwives, um, most notably Josephine Brewer, who was a huge advocate um, for giving mothers, you know, the best resources to deliver their babies in Raven County. Um, and so they were able to establish, you know, this maternity home that also provided formal training for midwives, but also trained the mothers how to best take care of their babies. And so they were really improving health care in the area because they weren't taking over delivery. They were helping equip the, the midwives in the area with, with the best practices and the best training. And, um, and sadly, yeah, we won't be able to include that audio. Yeah, it was just, it just wasn't good enough to put out there. It was very difficult to hear. Um, but I do want to share some of the quotes that she said. She mentioned that in Georgia alone, there were thousands of midwives, but then she kind of bemoaned the fact that it had really declined um, and at this point, this was the 1970s and 1980s. And she said, it's kind of sad in a way, the passing of an era, you might say. The fast life we live now and all the transportation, all the roads that we have. Um, and then she said, I'd like to add this postscript. People used to be proud to be born in Raven County. You know, and we no longer, at least to my knowledge, have that maternity home. Right. I think we just have the hospital, but people yeah. don't really have their babies here, do they? No, the closest maternity, um, I hate saying ward, but center. maternity center yeah, mm -hmm. is in Habersham County, at Habersham County Medical, which is uh, about half an hour to 40 minutes south of here in yeah. Demarest, Georgia. Um, so, yeah, there's not um, there's not really a, a, a maternity center nearby. And again, that, that goes back to this whole access to healthcare. Yes, yeah. this this issue with rural healthcare access and something that, you know, is always in the forefront of our minds because we live here, um, but it's something that, you know, and we hear people talking about it in, in sort of those political spheres and, and in the media, but unless you're in a space that experiences it, you don't really understand that it's a it's a it's a big deal. It's a it's a problem. What Ms. Brewer is talking about too, you know, we see this change in women's work mm -hmm. and this change in sort of the domestic space and this change in in where women are as in relation to their family and their communities and more you know people have to go to work because of you know it, it was it was an, a, a necessity for people to go to work but in the process of of meeting that need we lose these kinds of things in yeah. the domestic space and in this larger community of women and this community of the of the of the feminine, but it is sort of like this complex 
issue to talk about because, you know, women should go to work and if that's what they choose to do, but at the same time, we've lost, we lost some things in that, that larger space of women. Well, and I think there's a cultural shift too, that's probably to blame because I think over time as modern medicine kind of took over, I think practices like midwifery were devalued. Right. You know, and I grew up, you know, thinking only that natural childbirth was for people who grew their hair out long and <laughs> wore well, dreadlocks and well, speaking you, know, of, you know but you know it's it's not you know and it's right it's a you know very valid and beautiful form of giving birth to a child but we get so reliant on you know what modern medicine can do for us and we think that that is of the highest quality and that is the best thing for us, but it, it may not be, you know? Well, I think we're learning more and more that it's and and thankfully we're coming to a time now when it's not the only option mm-hmm. for women. Um, and a lot of that is to do with things that were happening in the sixties and seventies around the, or the, you know, the time of Foxfire first getting started, mm-hmm. you know, Foxfire inspired um, a lot of people to, uh, venture out into, you know, uh, com- commune living or intentional community living. Uh, and one of those spaces was the farm in Somerville, Tennessee, which is not too far up the road. And they actually have cited in the past that Foxfire was, uh, you know, a great resource for them. But now the farm is this center for midwifery and for training midwives. They've they've been seeing an upswing in, in women enrolling in their programs there mm-hmm. to learn this, but also mothers go to Somerville to the farm to learn more about motherhood and to, about their bodies and what's happening. And I think that anytime when people have an opportunity or take that initiative to really explore a more holistic perspective on their wellness, it's a positive thing. And we're, I'm, I'm glad we're seeing that in, as it relates to childbirth and, and maternity and motherhood. Um, so that was something that, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't think Foxfire can take credit for it, but we certainly supplied through interviews like the ones that we're featuring today, a resource for those who were interested in pursuing this path. Yeah. So we, and if you're interested in learning more about these stories of midwives, there's a pretty great chapter in Foxfire 2 on midwifery. But something we're going to do today is feature some more modern interviews because midwifery is certainly not extinct as we've been talking about. Um, And unfortunately, as of right now, these more contemporary interviews have only been published in the magazines. So I think Amy Ladford's was featured in fall, winter of 2017. Mm -hmm. And then the other one we'll be featuring is Rhonda Reno, who I guess is quickly becoming a favorite to feature on the podcast. This is like the third time we've put her out there. Rhonda's amazing. But it's such a great story. It's, It's hard to pass it up. It's nice to kind of juxtapose Rhonda and Amy because Rhonda... Her experience with delivering babies is very much kind of the old school way. Yes, yes. That. You know, her grandmother, who she talks about in some of the other podcasts, was a granny witch or granny woman. You know, and then Amy Ledford is practicing, you know, with a medical clinic. So it's kind of an interesting pairing, yes. I would say. So the first interviews come from Carrie Stewart and Anna Tutt, who we both featured last month. Carrie Stewart was a practicing midwife in Franklin, North Carolina. And Anna Tutt was the granddaughter of a a midwife. So they both kind of capture this more historic practice of midwifery. And then we have another one from Mary Cabe, who was not a midwife, but recalls um, some of the practicing midwives in the area. And then we'll wrap up with Rhonda Reno 
and Amy Ludford. To start us off is Carrie Stewart. You know, I was a licensed midwife. Tell us about that. Oh, again. yes. I, <laughs> I went to the class regularly every spring. Had to have my uh, outfit fixed, you know. We had, I have my bag now. We had to have a bag round with a round bottom, pockets all on the sides, and we had to have our different utensils in that bag. Had to have scissors, fingernail brush, and towels, and a mask to go over your face. Oh, we had to have all that. And I've went all times of night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I followed midwife for a long, until after my husband died, I quit. When did you start? Huh? How old were you when you? Well, I don't remember just how old I was. When were your I... children grown? Oh, no, they weren't grown, but they were almost, yeah, they were almost grown. And I had to go to the class every spring then and take uh, instructions and all like that. And there was, uh, when we started, there was, let me see, Ms. Martin, Ms. Brooks. And I think there was four colored. And all along, they all dropped out but me. I just stayed right in. <laughs> I wanted, you see, you got a, a three permits. Mm -hmm. And when you got an A permit, you had the biggest one. And I was determined to get my A permit. I stayed right in there till I got my A permit. Then I could go anywhere I wanted to. Yeah. So I went, uh, I see there's two, two or three white boys around here. I went and took care of them at their birth. Mm -hmm. yeah. You did deliver some white children? Yeah, I had. There's two, I think it's two or three white boys. I forgot their names now around here. I took care of them. Yeah. And then and then a lot of your black friends? Yes, indeed a lot of them. Because, you see, there wasn't many doctors then. And there, there were several white midwives and three colored. And we had, the, they got so far along, you had to go to the doctor and uh, be examined, you know and get a, I forgot what it was now, but anyhow, permit to show that you had, uh, was all right. And so I'd always go and get my permit, and when they called me, I was ready to go. <laughs> I just wanted to keep up, and I did too. Yeah, I did. Did I, a midwife deliver your children for you? Yeah, no, my gra yeah, my grandmother delivered my children. She was a midwife. She was a midwife. Yeah. And she delivered all of your yeah, children. Yeah, she delivered my children. Well, there's after she died, there was another old lady that delivered my last, uh, my next to the last, my last baby. The doctor delivered him, Doctor Harry Jones, white doctor, Doctor Harry Jones. And so our next interview is with Anna Tutt from Cornelia, Georgia. Um, you'll remember Anna, uh, like Carrie, from from last month. Before, when we were getting ready to leave, you said your grandmother used to be a midwife. Yes. But do you remember anything? Do you remember much about it? No, only she said the white and the black as well, and she was highly uh, thought of among the white, I'll have to say, that, and the blacks too. Uh, now she, went and she went to places where uh, no blacks live, and they would come and get her and treat her nice. She stayed in the homes and they respected her and they paid her well. And now some of the children she delivered, I wouldn't know them now, I'm quite sure. But Demers and Baldwin and places like that. Did, did she say anything about it? Like why or what she did? No, she just enjoyed it. She loved helping people. She, she was, was she nice? Yes, yes. Miss, uh, I can't think of the lady's name right now. She 
used to be with the health department up here at uh, Crossville, and I think she's married now, Miss Bloggs. I don't, I don't forgot her first name, Miss Bloggs. But now she had to, they had a meeting, and they had to go to this meeting and get a briefing, you know, and what to do and what not to do and so forth like that, and what to have in the little satchels, things like that. And my grandmother always had those, I say hospital gowns, we call them apron, but they tied in the back, mm-hmm. pretty white gown with the long sleeves down mm-hmm. here, white cap, and um, she had a little satchel that she kept towels <coughs> and Lysol, scissors, and yeah. cotton and gauze and Vaseline and different stuff like that in her little satchel. Nobody bothered that satchel. This third excerpt is from Mary Cabe, um, who is affectionately called Granny Cabe. And she's just talking about some of the midwives in her community and her remembrances of them. Well, how long did these mid, how long did they stay when they came to a house like that? Well, they stayed till everything's all right. Yeah. And they leave and go home. What would they charge for? Just, I don't know, not much or nothing, no. Yeah. And these, these women, they, they just did this just because they wanted to? Mm-hmm. Hardly ever make any price. You only pay them a little something for the trouble. Why is all right? Begin. Why is all right? Yeah. Yeah. I bet that some of them ran into some really bad weather getting places. Yeah. Too. I guess when you were young, they would have, they would have been going on horseback and wagon and things like that. Or walking. It's all the way they had to go. Yeah. Right. Do you, what? Do you remember it? Um. One that was around here? Do you remember? Is there one that you remember well? Uh, it's Miss Mathis. I don't know what her first name was, but uh, she's a Mathis. She lived down in Cow Eater. It wasn't there right around up from this settlement. It's down in Cow Eater in that settlement. Yeah. Who? What? Miss Mathis. What did the What did people think of her? Did they like her? Yeah. How did they feel about her? They liked her fine. She was a mighty nice woman. They were probably quite grateful to the fact that she could help. Yeah, lots of times maybe she could be on hands when we couldn't get a doctor, you know. Yeah. And next we'll hear from Rhonda Reno, who we've, we've, uh, we're have we talking about earlier. And, and Rhonda is um, somebody who comes from the war woman community here in Raven County. Uh, her grandmother was a, a granny woman or a granny witch and a practicing midwife. And, of course, Rhonda has her own experiences to share. I owe everything in this world I am to that woman. She raised me since the day I was born. And she didn't know how to do nothing else except to fiddle around with roots and weeds. She was a midwife around our community. They call it Pine Mountain now, but... Back then, it was still considered the war woman community. I won't ever forget the first time I ever seen a baby born. Lowered hip, have mercy. I swore right then and there I wouldn't ever have, have no kids. How old were you? Thirteen. My aunt Pearl was off gallivanting somewhere. I mean, she, her and Rose, they were identical twins, and they were born in 1900. And they feel it. Apparently, they discovered the 60s and never left it. Um, 
But they, they was off, apparently they was off gallivant somewhere, and, and she drug me, and she says, well, come on, we got to go. So I'm like, well, where are we going? You don't worry about it. Come on. Papa's, Papa will be here in a minute. He's going to, we got to go. Right. Shut up. He said, she says, well, go in there and get my bag. She had a little, like a wicker crochet basket. She towed it everywhere. She said, well, go get my bag. So I went and got her bag, and she says, well, get some of them flower sack rags. So I got some of the flower sack rags, and I stuffed them down in there, and off I went. We got up halfway up the hill, and I could hear screaming in. I'm like, oh, what in the holy Sam Hill is going on? So we got up there. She didn't look no older than I was. Wow. I mean, she was, obviously. You know, she had a husband. She had a couple of youngins, but she just she was just a little old bitty thing. She didn't look like her hips was wide enough to get a youngin out, much less have two of her own already. <laughs> so we got up there, and all I could do was standing there, <laughs> you know, with my mouth hanging open like a fish out of water. She told me, she said, Bill, get your tail in up through him, quick talking. So here we go. So I went up in there, and she says, go in there in that kitchen. I want you to put some water on. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, ain't this a cliche? Because, you know, I always thought that was just something in the movies about the boiling water stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just to get somebody out from underfoot. Right. I didn't realize it was actually to sterilize towels <laughs> and stuff. And that was, this was a part of my education I knew nothing about. So I went in there and got some water started and walked back in there and told her, okay, I got the water started. She said, well, get them rags out and... When that water goes boiling, you take a spoon and you stop them down in there and put them rags in there. I'm like, okay. I said, I think a dang what she's going to do, burn her up. So I went in there and I waited the water bone. And I came, she says, well, get over hand. She picked up, she had this big old long wood handled spoon my uncle Thomas had made her. And that sucker had a handle on it about that long. She reached that thing down in there and picked them rags up and let them, you know, drain off and she took she took and got the end of that thing and took that spoon and wrung it around like that and wrung that thing out. I would say how in the world she didn't burn her fingers off. How long the spoon was about three That thing had a handle on it. I bet you it was a good yard long. Okay. Uh but anyhow, she take she'd hold it on one end she'd hold that end of that rag on one end, she'd twirl that spoon around on the other and it wring it out. Wring it out. That girl come up off that thing, and when she did, she pushed for all she was worth, and that baby's head come right on out. Seriously? I joke you not. And it, what She said what it is because of how hot it was. It makes that part of your body just instantly relax real fast, and it helps the baby's head come out without tearing nothing down there. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. I'd never seen umbilical cord or anything to come out afterwards, nothing like that. So needless to say, I was shell-shocked and traumatized <laughs> by the end of that day. But, you know, it, the more we done it, the easier it so got. So how many births did you help with? Uh, from the time I was 13 to the time I was 17, probably about 40. Oh, yeah. I bet you half the kids my age and older was brought into this world by my granny up around this community. Our final interview is with Amy Ledford, who is actually a former Foxfire student, um, and she was interviewed in 2016, 2017, around then, um, about her practice as a nurse midwife. Midwife means with woman. So that probably encompasses everything. Because what I do is, I mean, I'm a nurse first. Mm -hmm. um, I became a nurse, got a bachelor's degree in nursing, and then decided I wanted to do a little bit more than that. So went on and got my master's. And um, just the compassion that you have as a nurse, it kind of 
like leads you in whatever direction you want to go in. And I, I was a labor and delivery nurse and I loved it and just wanted to do more. So I was like, okay, I want to be a midwife. And being with woman, and I don't know why it says with woman instead of with women. I don't like it, but I didn't make up the, <laughs> I didn't make up the definition of the meaning of the word. But basically it just means that you are a, a caregiver and a provider that is with women. I mean, you're there. You're there for them at various stages. It's, it's a whole lot more than just delivering babies. There are formally trained midwives like myself that went to nursing school, and we are licensed in whatever state we're in, and we do work alongside an obstetrician that is kind of our backup. Mm -hmm. um, so that if there's anything medical, anything complicated, anything yeah. that's outside of our scope of practice, then we've got them as backup. You know, but anyway, we manage different types of patients. Anything that's high risk, um, usually the doctor's going to take care of. You know, we're going to kind of put them off if somebody's got major medical complications or something mm -hmm. like that. Then that's something that a doctor needs to take care of. But midwifery is more taking care of normal things. Because having babies is normal. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's, it's not a medical problem. Two things that you need to do as a midwife, to be a good midwife. And that's take care of your mommies and don't drop the baby. If you take care <laughs> of your mommies, that means... Get an education. Stay up to date. Pay attention to their signs and symptoms. I mean, that and take care of your mommies encompasses everything. Everything. You got to make sure you go to school. You got to make sure you stay up to date. You got to make sure that you practice safely. You got to make sure that you recognize problems and report it to the doctor when you need to. You got to make sure that you intervene when you need to intervene. Take care of your mommies. That that's what that means. So if you take care of your mommies, and then don't drop the baby. I know that sounds silly, but that means get this baby here safely. So if you take those two statements, take care of your mommies and don't drop the baby, just kind of wraps it up. From one end of the spectrum to the other as far as education goes and socioeconomic status and all of that, you just, and demographics, I mean, I take care of, of you know, all races and, and everybody and you just, you just love them. Like if you don't, if you don't love them, then you don't need to be there. Like, if I didn't love all these patients and didn't want to take care of them, then I don't, I don't need to be there. Usually, I'm the first thing that that baby sees. I'm the first human touch that that baby has. Because um, this baby comes into this big old bad world into my hands. And you've got to think about it. I had a midwife, an, an older midwife, tell me one time that we're the gatekeepers into the world. I thought that was kind of cool, midwives are gatekeepers, and we open up the gate and we let them in um, and help the mamas, you know, bring them in. And I always, when the babies get here, I always talk to them. Like, I, I tell them, you know, welcome to the world or happy birthday or, you know, if it's been a rough ride, sometimes I'll say, you made it, that was <laughs> tough, wasn't it? You know, I mean, it's just, you know, and I think that kind of personalizes it. But I, I tell people that at that moment when that baby first comes out, that is the one time in that, because that's a person. I mean, it's not just a little toy. I mean, it's an actual human being. I mean, we were all babies at one time, but when, when that baby first comes into the world, and if I cry a little bit, I'm sorry, but when that baby first comes into the world, that moment, that baby is perfection. It is the closest that I will ever, ever, ever feel to God because it, that baby is, is perfect. 
All right. Well, we hope this was interesting to you all. Um, and we will be back next month with yet another podcast episode. If you have any comments or thoughts you want to share with us about this episode or any of the episodes, please reach out to us on Twitter. It's at it still lives one or shoot us an email at it still lives at foxfire.org. Um, we are always happy to answer any questions. We're always looking for suggestions for new podcast episodes. Um, so thank you so much for connecting with us and listening. And again, um, check out Foxfire 2 if you're interested in reading some more interviews about midwives. And if you get a chance, come and see us soon. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. If you don't like that, you can throw it away. <laughs>